Podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We've got a lot to dive into on this episode, uh, including a camp intel. We got out in the field. We don't get to do it very often together, but Tyler Calvaruso made the trip here to Happy Valley. Daniel Gallen, myself, Mark and Grace Brennan were all out at the Elite 11 All-22 event at State College High School on Sunday afternoon. It gave us our first opportunity to get a long look at Ethan Grunkemeyer, who had committed to Penn State as their 2024 quarterback pickup on Saturday. So a lot of quarterback conversation to get into. There's new 24-7 sports rankings, and there is a major riser that we had eyes on on Sunday as well at the tight end position. Uh, transfer issues, uh, transfer uh, developments, I should say, not issues uh, for both Penn State basketball and Penn State football. We'll get into those a little bit later, but right now bringing on both Daniel Gallon and Tyler Calvaruso to this edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. He's seen you both on this podcast quite a bit. I haven't seen you both together in some time, so glad we can make this work, guys. Definitely. We, we got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, it was great seeing you guys. A lot of ground to cover. Not too many sunburns to address uh, <laughs> between these three video boxes, which is good if you're watching us that, on YouTube. <laughs> okay, maybe you've got some going My on, Tyler. Uh, but hey, you know, uh, well-earned uh, sunburn because we got out there for several hours on a Sunday uh, together. Not only was the quarterbacks uh, out there, but there were some Penn State targets, Penn State commit, Luke Reynolds working at the tight end position. And we got a long look at a lot of different things. But before we get to some of our takeaways from there, let's talk about the Ohio quarterback, uh, same quarterback trainer uh, as Drew Aller. Uh, we've got uh, 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 spoke about him quite a bit in Grunkemeyer the last maybe a couple months, six, seven weeks, it feels like, about him really evolving as a focal point on the 2024 uh, recruiting target board. And kind of lay it out for us, Tyler. How did it come to fruition where he's committing on Saturday during a campus visit? And we'll get into his Elite 11 performance in a moment, what that meant for him. But how did this one uh, reach a conclusion when it did? I think really just came down to the fact that once Mike Yurch just got out to Ohio and saw him throw, he really became the top guy on Penn State's 2024 quarterback board, and it approached that recruitment as such. They went after him really hard, made it clear that he was the guy that they wanted in the class and that he was a priority. And, you know, we talked about Clemson being a possible, you know, maybe throwing a wrench into all of this and making it an interesting race. That offer never came, but honestly, I think even if it did, I think Penn State was going to be – in the best position to close on Kronkemeyer as it did. I mean, visiting campus twice in as many weekends, really fell in love with what the town has to offer. He feels that Penn State has pretty much everything that he's been looking for out of his school in terms of football and what it has to offer off the field as well. So really just the timing-wise for Penn State, I feel like it's really ideal. Getting a quarterback on board at this point before official visit season was something that the staff wanted to accomplish. They locked it down. Now you go hunt for potentially another guy in the class. This is a player, again, you're going back to some familiarity here with a similar quarterback coach, uh, right in the, you know, right in the mix of Buckeye country again. I mean, I know people point to that with Drew, uh, but, but he was a couple hours removed from Columbus, Ohio. You're picking up a quarterback here, uh, a riser who is from that Columbus area. Uh, and, and Daniel, you had a chance to speak with him on Sunday after the Elite 11 circuit. What did he kind of give you as far as why he was ready to, to, to pump the brakes you see a rising recruitment. Sometimes you wonder if a kid's going to let it run. He decided to press pause and pick Penn State. Yeah, I think that he felt a lot of comfort um, with the staff and with Mike Yersich. Um, he spoke. He also spoke a lot about Danny O'Brien, um, the offensive analyst who goes way back uh, with James Franklin, back to Franklin's days as the offensive coordinator at Maryland. Um, and he said that developing those relationships – um, you know, already kind of getting coached up by them, getting feedback. Um, he felt that he had developed a really, really good relationship 
Uh, he felt like that he had kind of identified, um, you know, what he could do well for them, you know, what he wanted to, you know, accomplish and how, how this staff can help him get there. Um, so from talking to him after the Elite 11, it, it sounded like everything had kind of come together. He was comfortable with the school, comfortable with the staff, um, and it just kind of felt like it was time for him. Six foot two, 190 pounds, a guy that, that we can tell you just from, from seeing him firsthand, long frame, uh, probably longer than that six foot two would suggest, uh, and plenty of room to fill out on that. Uh, the stats last season, about 2,700 yards through the air, 25 touchdowns, another four as a runner during his junior season. Uh, and Tyler, when we kind of look at the profile here as a prospect, what stands out to you? The, the comp at 24-7 sports is, is Taylor Heineke. That's going to jump off the page. We're not talking about a, a, a Drew Aller kind of uh, – arm talent here we're not talking about a five-star quarterback but I think it's fair to say he's going to get an opportunity to impress in a couple weeks out in Los Angeles he made that elite 11 finals and then he's going to have his senior year and there is going to be far more of a spotlight on this kid's evaluation process moving forward with the Penn State commitment with that elite 11 designation that we're kind of in wait and see mode for how this ranking ends up but but tell me about the pedigree of the prospect that Penn State gets there are a couple of things that stood out to me when we saw him in person on Sunday, the first of which was his release. You know, you see it on tape that it's pretty quick and you see it in person that it's definitely quick. There's no doubt about that. Pretty effortless release. You know, it really flick of the wrist, gets the ball downfield really well. That stood out to me. The other thing that really caught my eye was when he was asked to roll out of the pocket and make throws across his body. I mean, it, it was easy for him. You know, all of his throws were accurate. And I understand that. He's throwing on air, and there's not Ohio State and Michigan pass rusher chasing him down in a camp setting. But look, I mean, when you're making throws that effortlessly on the run and in, in the instances where he was asked to throw across his body and he's dropping throws where they needed to be, I think that speaks to the level of passer that he is at this point in his development. I think if he goes out to California and takes care of business at the Elite 11 Finals, I think that you're looking at a potential four-star quarterback for sure, I think he has that kind of ceiling. And, you know, that coupled with a strong senior season could really boost him up in the rankings. I mean, you talk to some people inside of Lesh, and they like him more than they liked Michael Van Buren. And I don't think that's revisionist history at this point. I, I think that once Penn State got out to see him throw, they were kind of like, wow, this kid's really good. He's right up there with some of the best quarterbacks we've been recruiting this cycle long before him and you know getting to see him Sunday I was really impressed with what I saw to be completely honest I think it surpassed the expectations that I had for him I think this is a pretty intriguing prospect that Penn State has on its hands now that he's committed Grunkemeyer out of Olin Tangy High School in the Columbus area, uh, 26th quarterback uh, overall in 24-7 sports current assessment. Again, he'll get that chance. He punched his ticket to join the Elite 11 Finals fraternity, be heading out to Redondo Beach, California. I've had a chance to make that trip three different occasions. And uh, right in the heart of uh, right in the uh, Los Angeles area where there's always a ton of quarterback talent, you've always got some of the local flavor, but guys like Grunkemeyer making the long-distance trip from Big Ten territory – and, and, and Daniel, when you spoke with Ethan about that opportunity, he's going to go shoulder to shoulder now with players who are considered the premier members of his recruiting class at this position. He'll get a chance to either show he belongs there or show that he's above his current ranking, or maybe he takes a step back in the eyes of some of our talent evaluators. But what was his take right after getting that invitation? Yeah, he called it a, a dream come true. You know, that this is something that you know he grew up watching on YouTube and that – I'm sure that a lot, all quarterbacks coming up are, are very well aware of the event um, and its history and, and what it means for you to get that invite to be able to show out um, and, and put yourself on the radar. You know, he said that coming into 
the the Elite Eleven Regional on Sunday that his goal was to he wanted to see how he you know stacked up against some of the best quarterbacks in the nation. You know, you talk about what he's going to see when he goes to out to Southern California to compete. He got a little bit of a preview of of what it, it's going to be like with some of the guys that were there on Sunday. You know, Dante Reno, the South Carolina commit, Ryan Puglisi, the Georgia commit, um, AJ Serace, uh, the the Rutgers commit. You know, those guys are all look, especially Puglisi and Reno. You know, those are some of the the top quarterbacks uh, in the Northeast in the region. Guys that are headed to to big time programs and and Gronkemeyer, you know, stacked up very favorably to them um you know i think that you know each each of those quarterbacks did something you know a little bit different very well um but i think that gronkemeyer kind of showed his his total package um and what he's able to do so i think it'll be exciting to see what he can do um you know in that type of environment uh you know he said it was cool that to have drew aller who went there two years ago um you know to be there uh, on sunday at state college high school you know, they, they do a familiarity because of the, um, you know, their quarterback trainer, uh, Brad Mendler. Um, but yeah, I think Gronkemeyer is, is really ready. It's, he's kind of a, a low key kid. So I'm, I'm very you know excited to see what it looks like when he's in that ultra competitive environment where everyone is a, is an alpha, everyone's trying to be the guy. Um, but it does seem like that he, he has the, a good mindset, you know, for what he's going to be approaching. Then he follows another low key guy in Jackson Smolik, who we got to know last summer. As, as he got the, he was kind of the, the Cinderella story of the Elite Eleven circuit in, in 2022. Ends up uh, flipping from Tulane to Penn State. He was also at the Elite Eleven camp on Sunday. Him and, and Drew Aller made the trip over, uh, spoke to some campers, and, and that was pretty cool to see. And, and that's typically what you do see with the Elite Eleven. A lot of history there. You know, just looking in the context of Penn State, um, both those guys, as we mentioned, were part of the uh, that, that finalist crew. Made made the trip as they worked their way down. 20 quarterbacks across the country and uh the eighth invite uh was was uh Grunkemeyer. so they got a lot to fill out that roster june 14th through the 16th in redondo beach they'll get to 20 guys but um i will tell you this tyler there's not too uh you know there's not too much time to do it but you have some time to put in that travel request to cbs and say i got to get out to southern california last time i was out covering needle lead 11 uh, from our airbnb i could i could hear the pacific ocean so there's a lot of potential out there. And, and, but that was a while back. I'll date myself. Trying to make us there, jealous. Was, there was a rising high school senior out at that event named Sean Clifford competing. <laughs> so this was a while ago, uh, Tyler, but just put it out there. It's, it, it's, there's worse places to work uh, oh, than yeah. Redondo beach, California. Grunkemeyer <laughs> will get his opportunity. Uh, and, and in the past we've seen some players light it up. You know, Sean Clifford had a really nice run. He ended up being part of that that final group of the Elite Eleven in that 2017 class. Uh, Justin Fields was, was on an Elite Eleven tear during his commitment. Of course, he ends up leaving the Penn State class along the way. Uh, but you know, Christian Veyer was invited a few years ago. They kind of had a revised setting uh, down in Nashville where they brought in guys during the pandemic. It wasn't quite the Elite Eleven finals, but it was essentially that. So Penn State's had that, that re- representation in the past, and they hope they have another good quarterback here in Grunkemeyer uh, coming on board. What else did we see from this quarterback? group guys i mean daniel made a great point in telling us that and reinforcing that there were a couple four star and that's four star composite that's four star 24 7 sports four star sec quarterback commitments sharing the field with grunkemeyer he gets the invite those guys did not on sunday they may well get that invite before action takes place in june but who else stood out to you tyler when we were kind of assessing the field of predominantly 2024 and 2025 quarterback recruits 
Ryan Puglisi, the Georgia commit, was one. And Brian Doan wrote it in his write-up, and I couldn't agree more. That He threw a couple balls where you were like, wow, the ball really pops out of his hand. The arm strength, very apparent. You know, I think he's definitely a candidate to receive an invitation to the Elite 11 Finals moving forward. I think, man, I think Georgia's going to be getting a good one down there. That quarterback class that they have is loaded. I mean, Dante Reno, Dante Reno is Dante Reno, man. I've been complimenting him on here, you know, for every time he really he comes up in some regard. I think he's a really good quarterback, I think. That South Carolina is getting a solid one. The one who really stood out to me in terms of 2024's elsewhere was A.J. Serres, the uh, the Rutgers commit. I mean, it was my first time seeing him in person. I tapped into his junior film a little bit after Rutgers got the commitment for him, really out of sheer curiosity. Penn State was never really all that involved there. But, man, he's looking like a really good prospect for the Scarlet Knights down in Piscataway. So they got to love what they have in the quarterback room. 2025, you know, we got to see Blake Hebert in person a day after he picked up his offer from Penn State. To me, he was the best 2025 quarterback there. That's that's just my opinion. I felt that frame-wise, he's already pretty advanced for a 2025 recruit. I mean, he's already 6'3", 205. Todd, you brought it up to me. It was looking like Bo Pribula out there frame-wise. So, I mean, I like that comparison. I think it was pretty on point. So, he's advanced in that regard. I like the arm strength. I like the mechanics. He's got a really nice touch on his deep ball. And beyond him, Malik Washington, who actually made it to campus for a visit right after the Elite 11 Regional ended. He had a really good day. You know, I think that the upside with him is really, really high. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's a basketball player. He plays for Team Mellow on the EYBL circuit. So we're talking about a guy who's really still kind of tapping into that quarterback skill set, right? He's been a really high-level athlete. Throughout his high school career on the hardwood and out on the gridiron, I think you're starting to see him become a little bit more refined as a quarterback prospect. And I think he's got a four-star ceiling on him. He's one of the Penn State staff likes high on the board. Remember, tested really, really well when he camped at Penn State last summer. That was something that caught the eye of Mike Gertrude and the staff. And, you know, given the fact that he's not all that polished right now and Penn State was still willing to take that chance, I think that speaks to the hopes that they have for him. Cole Gear from Massachusetts, he was the Spark U high scorer on the day he's a kid man he's one of those ones every time i see him in a camp setting he impresses me more and more saw him in jersey in the rain in last month when he took home mvp honors and he had another really good day in state college so i think his stock is up and i think that he is an offer candidate down the road depending on how penn state's 2025 quarterback recruiting plays out you know heber has the offer gear doesn't yet but I think that could change depending on how some of the chips fall. He's definitely on the radar. There's been frequent contact. Didn't make it to campus Saturday. That's going to be something that he looks to accomplish this summer. So there was a lot to like out of the quarterbacks who made it to town, man. There's a lot of talent on the field there. Henry Hasselbeck, the 2024 out of Massachusetts, and son of NFL quarterback Matt Hasselbeck. He's in line to officially visit Boston College in Pittsburgh this summer. He was another intriguing guy. There was a lot. We could spend a whole podcast episode just talking about what we saw out of those quarterbacks. So it was a good day for the talent in the room. You mentioned Cole Gear with that uh, the highest spark score of the event. Just to reiterate what that is, it's it's the uh, cumulative athletic scoring. Uh, if you, people may remember, Will Levis, I think, had like the highest spark score out of any quarterback they tested in, in that 2018 recruiting class. That was a pretty big deal. And now uh, Gear's the guy who, who caught some uh, attention for that uh, this past Sunday. And, and I'm with you, though, and you kind of dissecting some of those rising junior quarterbacks who were on the field. There were a few good ones, and guys who are going to end up with Big Ten offers. We'll see how many of them ultimately end up as legitimate Penn 
Penn State targets. But I think Hebert's certainly in that legitimate category. I mean, when Mike Yersich offers you after after checking you out a little bit closer, that says a lot. And then we had the opportunity, and I thought Hebert certainly looked the part over the course of the day. You talked about Prabula and, and, and me mentioning the, the you know, just based on the eye test, there's some the, some similarities in how they're kind of put together. And Hebert's probably already a little bit taller than, than Prabula, and he's only halfway through his high school career. So really curious to see where he goes from here. And both he uh, and Gear uh, out of the out of the state of Massachusetts, which has been really good to Penn State lately. And uh, a guy we're going to get into right now is, is one of the major risers, uh, and, and Luke Reynolds, uh, Cheshire Academy up in Connecticut. And we talk about the New England uh, New England preps and what they've been meant to Penn State on the recruiting trail. Been pretty important cycle by cycle, and they've got a really good thing cooking right now with Luke Reynolds. When he committed, guys, we spent some time on the podcast, and I know Brian Doan wrote about it. But back in February, when he commits, got a you know couple games at tight end, mostly at quarterback, focus at quarterback. Let's see what he looks like in the fall. He didn't have to even get close to September to start validating some of this hype and, and start rising in the rankings. Daniel, he goes from outside of the top 24-7, a three-star prospect, to inside the top 100 in the top 24-7 rankings update that dropped on Monday. He is number 80 overall. He's the number six tight end, standing six foot four and a half, 215 pounds. We got a long look at him on Sunday, and I think we all came away thinking that he may have been the most impressive player on the field, regardless of position, with the tip of the cap to all those fine quarterbacks we just referenced. Definitely. I think Luke Reynolds look really looks the part when you're talking about you know, a tight end who still has you know, some development to do before he gets on campus, but he really seems to, to fit the mold of what you know, Ty Howe, Mike Yersich, James Franklin, you know, what they're bringing to campus at the position, what they're looking for. Um, you know, I really, you know, I thought that he looked you know, very athletic, very fluid um, in the way that he was moving. Um, I think the one thing that I think you wrote about it a little bit, Tyler, uh, in talking to Adam Brenneman, uh, who was putting the former Penn State tight end who was at Elite 11 and putting Luke Reynolds through drills is that you know they had him doing some you know, offensive line stuff. You know, he was... I think there was a, a long stretch of time where it was Luke Reynolds, Adam Brenneman, uh, Tyler Merrill, the 2026 offeree from Cumberland Valley, um, who's a, a very big kid, uh, and then a local, uh, you know, a state college uh, high tight end, where the three of them were just under Brenneman, you know, doing blocking drills over and over and over again. Um, and I thought that that was, you know, kind of cool to see in that camp setting, um, you know, especially on a day that is so much about the quarterbacks. Um, you know, we got to see. You know, Luke Reynolds really working on the, those finer points, things that he's going to have to do when he gets to Penn State. Um, but you know, I think that you know, seeing him rise this early in the process, I think that it's you know really great for generating some excitement into what he can be uh, in his senior year. I think the fact that he's he's you know, relatively new to the position, you know, he's not going to be doing quarterback anymore. I think that that makes it even more exciting because. If he's at this point already, you know, how much more can he develop? How is he going to really fine tune things? You know, I think that he is in, you know, he's very, he's poised to, I think, be one of the, the centerpieces of this class from a rankings perspective once everything wraps up uh, later this year. He's got the personality to match it. I, I mean, you, I really like what you pick up from this guy from a conversation. You know, and speaking with Adam Brenneman after the camp, um, he knows what it's like to be a blue chip tight end. Many considered him the top tight end prospect in the country back in the 2023 recruiting class. He ends up at Penn State, goes on to become an All-American at UMass, uh, would have been a big time NFL draft prospect, has an injury, has to step away. 
And, you know, a few years ago emerges as one of the youngest position coaches you'll find across college football at Arizona State. So he's doing a lot of stuff in media now. You probably picked that up. But he was here in State College, back in town and working very closely. So coming out of it, it was a chance to kind of pick his brain. He had not met Luke Reynolds before Sunday. They had not really had any interactions. So he was kind of coming to this with general base knowledge about the Penn State commitment, but not really a deep dive. And coming out of it, he said, reminds me a lot of Mike Gesicki. And he would know Mike Gesicki pretty well. He hosted Gesicki during his official visit in high school. Gesicki followed him into campus. Uh, and those two have remained so close, in fact, that he had Mike Kosicki on a FaceTime call uh, with uh, with the young t- with the young tight end prospect Reynolds on Sunday afternoon. So uh, already building up that chemistry. And, and Brenneman is the highest rated tight end uh, recruit of the Penn State 24-7 sports era. So we're going back to 2010, I think that is. Brenneman was number 48 in the country in 2013. Kosicki was number 58 in the country in 2014. Theo Johnson was number 61 in the nation in 2020. And next up on that list is Luke Reynolds. When you talk about specifically Penn state tight end prospects in the 24 seven sports rankings. So he's number 80. Zach Koontz was number 111. Andrew Rappelier is a number 176 guys like Khalil Dinkins, Jerry cross, Brent strange, all four-star prospects who weren't top 24 seven prospects. So, I can go on and on and on, but if you're near the top of any list when we're talking about tight ends here in the last decade and a half span at Penn State, and and that's where he is, I mean, that's going to say a lot, Tyler Calvaruso. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the jump that he took in the rankings, you know, I thought it might be maybe his ceiling, you know, at the end of the cycle, and to see him there already at this point in the cycle and keep in mind his boost in the rankings came even before he dominated in state college on Sunday. That was already something that we knew coming. this was coming. Yeah. that's yeah, wild. This, was, this yeah. wasn't something <laughs> that came about based on what was seen on Sunday. This was already in motion. So I, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of excitement around Reynolds frame, his body, you know, how just he can carry more weight and maintain such a high end athletic profile that that's really what drove, I think, this boost in the ranks. I mean, he's tested really well. He's looked good pretty much in one-on-ones at every camp that he's taken part in. He was getting it done in Jersey in the rain. You know, I got to watch a couple of reps that day from him, and I don't think he dropped the pass on a day where a lot of guys had issues catching the football, and rightfully so, given the conditions. And then what we see on Sunday, I mean, Tyler, you got a really great look at a lot of him and a lot of video of him during one-on-ones. I'm not sure he lost a rep. I, I think that he won pretty much every single rep that he had that day in one-on-one. So, I mean, just it's a huge addition to the Penn State tight end room moving forward. And, you know, they're still taking some big swings at the position. You know, the likes of Caleb Odom is slated to make an official visit in June. But they're really, really excited inside of Lesh about what Reynolds is right now as a prospect and his upside moving forward and the work that they can really put in with him when he gets to campus. They're really excited about what they could accomplish about with him. And that's two straight cycles where you have a guy like that. Andrew Rappelier was that guy in mm-hmm. 2023. Luke Reynolds is that guy in 2024. Yeah, he finished number 176 overall in the 2023 rankings. He just got to campus. He's one of three freshman tight ends in a position room that here in 2023 has seven scholarship players. And uh, this was an opportunity as well this past weekend for Reynolds to get back into team facilities. He spent some time with Rappelier, got to know him a little bit, spent some time with Ty Howell. He said each visit, it gets a little bit of a deeper dive into the details yep. in terms of what to expect with that day one installation, what to expect from this Penn State playbook. And with Reynolds, he's just trying to figure out right now what to expect from a full-time focus at tight end 
Again, history for him on the football field is quarterback, you know, really going through much of last season, too. So it's a transition. He's in a good place right now. Cheshire Academy loaded with power five talent and a guy that you referenced in the Elite 11 breakdown, Dante Reno, who, who I've really liked for several years now. Uh, and, and he's a four star quarterback running that offense. So figures to be uh, maybe not the end of this rise for Luke Reynolds, as you said. The Sunday camp performance that there were a lot of 24-7 sports eyes on, uh, that one is going to carry forward and form some opinions, and then we'll see what he does with the senior season. But by the way, he's heading out to Los Angeles too. Uh, one of the very few non-quarterback participants going to be out in Los Angeles for the Elite 11 finals. They have these all 22 supplemental camp going on with Elite 11 that involves uh, linebackers and, and, and wide receivers and tight ends and cornerbacks and what have you. He will be part of, of a very small group heading to the West Coast in mid-June. So he'll get a chance to play some pitch and catch again with Grunkemeyer out there. Um, what else are we missing from camp, what we saw on the field, fellas? I know there were some some players that jumped out to us um, from those non-quarterback spots. And uh, Daniel, I don't know if you want to take this, Tyler, but uh, I know there's just a few guys that we got to get to before we turn our attention elsewhere. Yeah, um, I think that – sorry, Daniel. Uh, I'll, I'll let you get to it. Don't worry. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Ezekiel Marcel, the 2025 linebacker from Miami Central – he was the one that kind of stood out to me the most, just given what he was able to accomplish in coverage. And, man, Tyler, me and you got to watch him during um, positional drills where he was going up against running backs. And I know it's – Yeah, a little cat, cat and mouse yeah. situation, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, he's being physical to the point where, I mean, he's laying hands on these ball carriers. It sounds like – the way it popped, it sounds like they had pads on. That's how hard he was hitting in a non-content, non-pad situational drill. So I think that – his athletic, he's another guy, high-end athletic profile, I think. I think, you know, really once camp season ends, as he goes through the summer, I think uh, I think he's not going to be a composite four-star anymore. I think he's going to be more than that. I think we're going to have him up to a four-star in our ranking. So I was really impressed with him. Um, Elijah Jones, the Philly receiver from St. Joseph's Prep, he was another guy who kind of stood out to me. I'm not sure – if he's going to stick on the power five level, but he does have a Kent state offer and official visits set up. I believe June 9th. I believe that's the date of that official visit. And I bring that up because we've seen Kent state produce some pretty good receivers. I mean, Dante Cephas transferring in from Kent state. So I think, you know, if he goes there and he balls out and he does what he has to do, you know, maybe this is a name that we're talking about down the road as a potential portal target. You know, I'm not ruling that out. I think he's got that kind of talent in him. So those were two guys who really stood out to me. Yeah, I think when you look at the defensive group, uh, Jared Smith, uh, he, he didn't wasn't a participant yeah. throughout, but just watching him in, in some early drill work, uh, he stood out among defenders. He's committed to Michigan, so we'll see him come back uh, in a Wolverines uniform in, into Happy Valley somewhere down the line. But among uncommitted guys and, and looking at some of the younger players, to me, Maxwell Roy was the name mm. that, that I took. And, and Daniel, I know you felt the same way. It was one of the first guys before the quarterbacks were throwing the ball we, we saw this defensive tackle from Philly uh, out there working. He's a St. Joe's prep guy that has not been a pipeline of any kind for Penn State on the recruiting trail of late. But but this is a guy that, that they're going to take their shot with. I know, Tyler, you spoke with him. But, Daniel, if you want to weigh in on this one as well. Yeah, I think from that you know, lineman group, you know, Jared Smith was was the guy just in terms of how well he was moving, you know, what he was able to show. You know, I really, really liked what I saw from him. But Maxwell Roy wasn't far behind. You know, I – I like the the frame. I like what you can develop that into. I thought he moved really well. Um, you know, I think that that's kind of in, in that environment. You're looking for some fluidity. Um, you know, you're looking for some you know, seeing which athletic traits pop a little bit. And you know, I liked what I saw from Roy. I, I think that you know, in terms of just scanning that field, 
um, you know, all the non-quarterbacks where your eyes gravitate towards, you know, it was to that group of defensive linemen and, and Maxwell Roy, I think stacked up very nicely with someone like Jared Smith, who was you know, going to play in the big 10. Thanks for bringing him yeah. up. I completely forgot about the kid. Next <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I was like, yeah. you had a conversation you. with the young yeah. fella. Yeah. He's a great kid, man. Well, what, what stood out from a recruiting standpoint? I mean, obviously he's an impressive player, but when you talk about uh, him and Penn State, I know a lot of people on our message board, I think one of the first comments on your story about Roy was, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it considering where he goes to school. What's kind of your retort there in terms of general interest between him, between Penn State, for a kid who's in that 2025 cycle? I mentioned it to you right after I talked to him. I, you know, I thought that maybe he might be one of those uh, Philly kids to really go to St. Joe's Prep and kind of break the mold and wind up in Happy Valley. I think he's got some legit early interest. I think that he likes Deion Barnes. It helps that Gabe Infante is here. And I say that, you know, there are a lot of times where Philly kids who have played at St. Joe's, you know, Infante on the staff, and it does help Penn State, but it doesn't get them a commitment in the end or it just doesn't really get Penn State to the finish line. I think with Roy – it's different because Infante has actually played a pretty big part in the path that Roy is currently on. He was an offensive lineman when he camped at Penn State last summer. Infante pulled him to the side and said, hey, look, big fella, you might want to try out the D-line. I think you might have something there. He tried it, and, I mean, Roy was even telling me, look where I am now, and a lot of that has to do with him. He's going to make a lot of visits. He told me he's going to use the first half of the summer to visit the regional schools involved in his recruitment. That includes another trip to Penn State. Back half of the summer is going to be dedicated to more of the national schools involved in his recruitment outside of the region. He's going to make some trips, do some traveling before getting back to Philly and getting ready to play a national schedule with St. Joe's Prep. So, he, I mean, he's a South Jersey native. He's going to be back in town again sooner rather than later. So I think this is one we're going to have to keep an eye on. I, I understand the sentiment that Penn State hasn't landed a kid from St. Joe's in a little bit. And you're always looking for that one guy who might be able to break that streak. I think there's a legit chance with Roy. You know, it's also important to know. I mean, it's early. He's a 2025, so we're going to have to see where his recruitment takes him in the end. Early, but he is considered a top 200 prospect, a four-star prospect on the defensive line, and certainly a name to know moving forward in the 2025 cycle. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, moving away from the camp action. And actually, one thing before we do that, we got confirmation from Luke Reynolds' early enrollment. That's pretty important. We're going to start to hear yeah. that from these guys as they sort through their plans, and we'll find out who's coming in January. It was a huge group that came from that freshman class last time. Uh, we got some recent enrollees that we'll get to in just a moment, including a transfer for Penn State football. But getting back to those rankings that we referenced, it wasn't just Reynolds involved there. There is some serious representation for the Nittany Lions 2024 class for the target board and Tyler Calvaruso, can you kind of talk us through those new top 24 seven rankings that drop on Monday? And, and let me put the caveat out there. 
there will be updates beyond the top 24-7, but they will be separate. So if you're looking for a jump for a guy like Grunkemeyer, say right now, that wasn't what was addressed in this one, unless you're jumping all the way up into the top 24-7, which was the case for a guy like Luke Reynolds. Yeah, Reynolds was the big winner of the rankings when it comes to uh, Penn State commits and targets. You know, on the commit front, a lot of guys actually wound up taking a tumble. Quentin Martin stood pretty much pat. I think he dropped one spot, and that, that's not really anything having to do with him. That's just kind of how the rankings go when you get a bunch of new guys inside the top 24-7. Donovan Harbor dropped a little bit. John Mitchell dropped a little bit. That one kind of surprised me. I'm higher on Mitchell than most. I think he's going to be a really good player at the next level. I like the length out of him as an outside cornerback. So I'm going to be interested to see where he finishes in the rankings when it's all said and done. Target-wise, though, there was a lot of uh, a lot of important movement, I would say. Jameer Grimsley is in the top 24-7 cornerback now. He's going to be at Penn State for an official visit on June 9th, and he is the top guy on Terry Smith's board at this point in the cycle. Elijah Newby is a top 24-7 linebacker now. He's going to be at Penn State for an official visit on June 9th. Another guy who's high on the board for Manny Diaz. Speaking of linebackers who are high on the board for Manny Diaz, Chris Cole. I mean, he, he didn't just jump into the top 24-7. He's a top 70 prospect in the nation. Actually, he's top 65. I think we have him at 63. I mean, he's a really athletic linebacker out of Salem in Virginia. He's going to be at Penn State. He's going to start the month at Penn State with an official visit during the first weekend. His recruitment, I got a question about this today. His recruitment's one of those ones that's kind of too close to really call right now, anoint the leader heading into official visit season. He got offers from Bama and Georgia. Those two really opened his eyes. But he does like Manny Diaz, and he's been made to feel like a priority pretty much from the start. And I think that pays off for Penn State here. I think it's a, probably a good thing that they're going to get the first crack at him in June. You know, sometimes it's more impactful to get that final official visit of June, but you know that might uh, that might change a little bit with the uh, the new official visit rules. If Cole's one of those guys who decides I want to take this a little bit further, make more official visits moving forward, going beyond the five that they were previously allotted, you know maybe Penn State makes a really strong early impression, and that is something that he carries with him throughout the official visit process. I think that's definitely on the table. Another guy who made a pretty big jump, Nitro Toggle, the receiver. He's a Georgia commit. He's slated to be on campus for an official visit early in June. It's a, you know we're we're gonna have to see if it happens. Yeah, I think he's pretty locked in with the dogs. I've talked to people who think it's going to be – it's going to take a lot to get him off that commitment. So that, that's an official visit that, you know, might not even happen. And, I mean, he didn't make a move in the rankings at all. But Jeremiah Smith, he's going to be at Penn State for the official visit on June 16th, the five-star Ohio State wide receiver commit. He's the number two prospect in the nation. He's standing strong in that top five. Really, really exciting prospect. Wherever he winds up, I think he's going to be a star. A lot of opportunities out there for Penn State still with this recruiting class. Uh, Tyler Calvaruso had a great piece up over the weekend uh, about what the forecast looks like in the crystal ball and, and where he's maybe close to putting some picks in, uh, where he's a little more hesitant in terms of some of these top targets and, and where they are at in their commitment timelines and with Penn State. We're going to learn a lot by this time next month. We'll be through a few of those official visit recruiting weekends, and we'll have a pretty good feel for, for where the tea leaves are trending. And uh, Daniel Gallon, we, we do know that Penn State has been busy during the month of April adding to the to the roster. We weren't quite sure if a Davian uh, Collins, what the timing would be there. Well, we got an answer. Uh, he's on the roster. He's here. He's among those May enrollees. And very quickly making the move from Mississippi State, again, did not play at all last year, took a red shirt essentially throwing him into that uh, as a member of your, your 2022 class. You lost Christian Driver from that cornerback room. So you're maybe maybe addressing that a little bit. And as we said, think long-term here. Don't think about West Virginia matchup and what they're going to do at cornerback. Definitely. I think that Collins is someone that, you know, who knows how much we'll, we'll 
even get to see him um, this fall, depending on how this cornerback room shakes out. You know, at, at this point, we, we all know what's in there. We all know um, who's at the top of the pecking order with, with Kalen King and, and Johnny Dixon and, you know, guys like Cam Miller who are looking to, to make a move uh, into some playing time. But yeah, I think that this is a good transfer pickup for them in terms of, you know, looking towards the future, you know, forecasting things out. Um, you know, it looks like there's going to be a pretty impressive group of freshman cornerbacks that arrive in the class of 2024. Um, but as we know, it can be hard to contribute right away um, as a freshman consistently. It seems like the guys who burn the red shirts outside of Kalen King, who is, I think, a, a rarity, you know, but someone like Cam Miller with some spot duty and, and special teams. So you know, I think to have someone who is a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, even though he didn't play last year, I think sets the room up nicely as you move forward. And then as these younger, you know, true freshmen will arrive next year, um, just to have another kind of base layer um, of, of young talent that Terry Smith can develop. And we've seen Terry Smith do a really good job, um, you know, developing some of these cornerbacks recently. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do with Collins, how exactly he fits into this backfield, um, given how they how they use different body types. But I'm excited to see him. And it's kind of a, another guy to have at the top of the list, you know, when we finally get you know to watch this team uh, in, in August in practice. Storm Duck came and went. He's now at, at, at Louisville, uh, spent spent some spring ball here at, at cornerback position, and, and he's really more the mold of what we've seen Penn State do in the transfer portal. Arnold Ebikade, Derek Tangelo, um, and, uh, in terms of effectiveness. But there have been examples of guys who have come in with maybe sophomore status. Jordan Stout was here for three years. Uh, Chop Robinson, you're getting multiple years out of him. We've made the Johnny Dixon uh, you know, parallel a bunch and in, in coming into the cornerback room as a younger player. So uh, you're making a long term investment you're not necessarily looking at the short-term answer uh, with a pickup like a uh, davian collins but that one gets to the finish line in a hurry that means their transfer total uh, for the month of may is him it's dante cephas at wide receiver you've got addison penn the walk-on pickup who spent the last few seasons at duke uh you've got alonzo ford at defensive tackle and then you've got trey potts at running back so we've talked a lot about the freshmen we've had a few of them on but look at the experience that this roster is adding here uh, as we get ready for, for summer to arrive in happy valley um, basketball transfer portal as well. Uh, it's been very busy for the for Mike Rhodes program. And Tyler Calvaruso, they dip into it again on Monday, picking up a commitment uh, from former Miami big man, Favor Iray. He was part of that March Madness run with the Miami Hurricanes last year. Of course, very limited role with the Hurricanes in 2022-2023, but he's relocating to State College and looking for a fresh start on a roster that features plenty of fresh starts at this point. I think, it, you know, at this point in the cycle, this is the kind of chance that you take on a developmental big, you know, especially in this day and age of college basketball where you could take – you'll be more willing to take a chance on a guy like Ira just based on where he's at in his development because, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, you could always go back to the portal and address that the following year. And if it does work out, then you hit a home run and you added a really quality player to your roster. You know, he played sparingly for Miami last season. He's always more of a guy that Miami wanted to develop. In the background, he's looking for a little bit bigger of a role. That's why he wound up hitting the portal. And, you know, I think that while he still does have a ways to go as a developmental a developmental guy, excuse me, I think that he adds value to Penn State's 2023-24 roster right off the bat, just in the sense that he can back up Kudus Wahab and give the Nittany Lions potentially some good minutes. I, I think, you know, this is a team that, 
kind of lacked that quality depth in the front court at times last season. I, I think that, you know, Aaron might be able to address that as the 23-24 season goes on. And now you only got one scholarship left. So how do you use that scholarship? Do you go to the portal and do you look for another guy who could potentially make an impact right away this upcoming season? Do you use that last scholarship on a late flyer in the 2023 class, a guy that you can, you know, really get to work with behind the scenes. You let him take a red shirt year. You see where you could get him at this time next year, you know, potentially as a contributor. I think those are the conversations being had right now among the staff, but it looks like they're definitely going to use that last scholarship this year. That's not going to be one that they save for the future. So we'll be keeping an eye on names, potential visitors moving forward, but we're not done just yet with the Penn State basketball program on the recruiting front. Definitely not done. Daniel, I've lost count a few times along the way, but I, I'm pretty sure that Penn State's at eight transfer pickups in terms of, of, of the Mike Rhodes era and what they've done in a short span. Um, what do you make of this pickup and how it addresses what they want to accomplish in the front court? Yeah, I think it's a good pickup, uh, especially losing Kebajai uh, yeah. to Notre Dame, you know, kind of replenishing that you know, young big that you can develop in the front court. Uh, one of our posters uh, on the message boards actually pointed this out where you look at the class of, of 2022 recruiting rankings, Kebajai, number 21 center, number 118 overall, Favor Ira, number 22 center overall, number 119 prospects uh, overall in the class. So, you know, you're getting a, you're replacing a, you know, someone who departed with a, a similar you know, type uh, recruiting prospect. Obviously, we're a year removed from that there. But I, I think that Ira is someone who can come in, you know, with Wahab there, you know, won't necessarily need to, to shoulder a, a load uh, right away. You know, we know how Mike Rhodes plays. And I think that the way this roster is constructed, that they can go small um, at various points uh, with, with the length that they have. So I think that it'll, I think it'll be really interesting to see you know, how the staff can develop bigs. I think that that's maybe a little bit of a, you know, kind of, you know, niche storyline, I guess. You know, you have Demetrius Lilly, who's going into his sophomore year. We barely saw him last year. He he can do some things that I really like. Um, but, you know, Mike Rhodes brought in Brent Scott, you know, who was with him at VCU and Rice. You know, he's six foot 10, played in the NBA for a minute, you know, was a, a star at Rice. You know, he is a, a big man uh, himself. You know, I'm very curious to see what the development looks like um, in the front court. And I think Ira will be a, a good test case for this. But, you know, I think that he's someone who can spell spell Wahab uh, when they need to. And I, I think that given what we saw last year, there were times where that lack of size really seemed to put Penn State in some tough spots. Um, so I think that adding Ira means that you have playable size in the front court. You know, it's never a bad thing because that changes the shape of the court a little bit. Um, and, and I'm excited to see what he'll be able to do uh, in his development. Let's stick with basketball and finish with a mailbag. We had some fun on our last episode of the podcast with a, a football mailbag with, with Daniel Gallon and Mark Brennan. We'll finish with these guys uh, on a basketball note. And here's the question. Ace Baldwin is clearly the top guy, but which of Penn State's other transfer pickups projects as the next most important player for potential success next season. This question actually came our way before Ira committed. I don't think either of you were going to uh, pick Ira for this answer, but let's begin with you, Tyler Calvaruso, and then Daniel can give his pick. I don't know, man. I think we should let Daniel go first. I, I, I jumped him. <laughs> I jumped the gun on him. So, Daniel, you know what, man? You, you go first on this one. I, I put you first on stuff. What a gentleman. Yeah, this, this is an interesting question. Um, you know, I think that Ace Baldwin, you know, like this question says, that he's going to be the guy next year. 
Um, you know, we, we kind of know what he is uh, as a known quantity. Um, you know, I, I think the first guy that kind of pops into my head when looking at this is, is Kudus Wahab. I mean, you know, he's six foot 11. He's played in the big 10 before it didn't go too well, uh, but he's had a lot of experience. Um, and I think that if he can give you, you know, solid minutes, if he can, you know, hit his averages from last year, pretty much, you know, nine, nine and seven. Um, if he can maybe bump that up, if you can get 10 and eight, you know, 11 and eight out of him uh, in the post, I think that that's something that can really, really help this team. Um, the the second guy that popped into my head was that I think I'm excited about is Zach Hicks, uh, the temple transfer. You know, we we've seen that he can score, you know, he kind of had a more of a reserve role with the owls. And I think that if he has the opportunity to, you know, compete and get into a, a bigger role, you know, see those minutes increase. I think that he can be someone that can bring a scoring punch. He's got that length. I think that he can fit what Mike Rhodes wants to do really, really well. Uh, and I think that he could wind up being, you know, one of the more, you know, you know all these guys are new. So it's like one of the, the newer surprises, uh, I, I guess, from this transfer class. Calvaruso? Yeah, for me, it's um, – I think it's Nick Kern Jr. I think that when you look at the way Mike Robes likes his teams to play defense, a lot of it is, you know, applying ball pressure, getting into the passing lines and just – passing lanes and just, you know, creating havoc. That, that was the VCU motto for such a long time. And I think Kern Jr. could um, – I think he could guard two through four. I think if Rhodes wants to go to some small ball line, if I think you could see Nick Kern at the four at times. Granted, it might not be for extended stretches, but I think that's something that he has in his skill set. I mean, just – he he's not a good shooter right now. He's more of a slasher, and that's perfectly fine because he could get to the rim and he finishes strong around the rim for a guy who's a bit lankier, is a bit you know more frail of a frame. I, I think that there's a lot to like about his game. I think there's still a lot of growth for him that he kind of really hasn't tapped into yet. I, I feel like he could be one of those really under-the-radar impact players throughout Big Ten play, just really interrupting the game and making things tough on opponents with his length defensively. I think that we talk a lot about what he could bring to the table offensively. I think defensively, when it's all said and done, I think that's going to be where he leaves his mark on this program. He's going to be able to do it with his versatility. So I like where he's at. I like him as my pick for this one. Bunch of content at Lions 24-7 over the last couple of months about this roster build. Eventually, we'll start looking at uh, how it all puts together on the court and, and what this Penn State team can achieve when they start getting in the, to work again. But, uh, Daniel, uh, Tyler, always appreciate it. It was good hanging out with you guys in person uh, on Sunday. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, a lot to look at at Lions247.com right now coming out of Sunday's camp event. We still have interview. Uh, we still have video photo galleries a lot to dive into check out the luke reynolds highlights from sunday to, to get a better feel for what we were just breaking down about the penn state tight end commit we'll be back with another episode later this week but time to get to back uh, back to work on the site on behalf of daniel and tyler i'm tyler donahue this has been the lines 24 7